when I was younger, I liked to dabble in the stock market. And in the late 90s, I fell in love with this dot-com that had a, a great concept, so I bought a few shares. And if you know your history, you know that the tech stock bubble burst, and money-losing dot-coms like this one died spectacularly. So I got to ride that stock down a long way. And there came a day when I was looking at it online and I'm shaking my head at the, at the wreck that it is and the shares were at six bucks. And I figured I had three choices. I could sell that junk and salvage a few bucks. Okay. I could do nothing and hope for a turnaround because after all, I couldn't lose a whole lot more. Or I could gamble, and the number in my head was a thousand bucks, and buy a few more shares. And I really thought about this last option because I still believed in this company. I still loved the company despite their horrible financials. But ultimately, and I think unfortunately, characteristically for my life, I went with option two: don't give up, but don't double down either. And it worked out. I was able to sell those shares at a little bit of a profit a few years later, and I was glad to be rid of that trash and get that in the rear view. But here's the thing, the company was Amazon. <laughs> Those original shares I dumped with relief would be worth over $46,000 today. And if I had spent that $1,000, it would be worth $310,000. It is safe to say that Amazon was the best stock idea I ever had or ever will have. And the thing is, I never lost faith in the company, but I missed out on the rewards because I did not commit and act on my belief. I would have, could have, should have taken a leap of faith but, and, and risked losing a bit more, but I didn't, and I missed out massively. For me, Amazon.com was the one that got away. But the good news is that there are far greater and there are far more important rewards that are available to each and every one of us that do not need to get away from us. We need, do not need to let them get away, slip through our fingers. But we do need to take a leap of faith and embrace the risk and sacrifice that is required to enjoy those rewards. And so today we continue our series looking at people that Christ commended during his earthly ministry. And today we are considering this question of the rewards that await those who commit to shine brighter for Jesus Christ through risky and sacrificial following wherever Jesus leads. And our passage is Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 29. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Churchwide emphasis this year is to shine brighter. 
And we live in a dark world where far too many people do not know the love and mercy and forgiveness that's available to them through Jesus Christ. And so we are called to be a lighthouse for Christ at the corner of Clipper and Mariner. And each of us must shine our light before this world and our neighbors and our colleagues and our friends and our family members in in such a way that they see God at work and give Him the glory, not us. They must shine brighter, which means increasing our commitment to truly follow Jesus on whatever adventure He has uniquely prepared for each of us. And as we are called to follow sacrificially, we also celebrate the wonders that lie ahead of us. And so my hope today is that you'll each anticipate the rewards for sacrificial following. Now, our passage today begins by first revealing the disciples' reward. What was in it for them for following Jesus? Now, shortly before this conversation takes place, a rich young man had come up to Jesus and and asked what good deeds he needed to do in order to gain eternal life. And after Jesus points him to the Ten Commandments, he said, sell everything you own, give it to the poor, in exchange for treasure in heaven, and then follow him, follow Jesus. And this young man went away, and he was full of sorrow because he simply could not let go of his stuff. And I think many of us can identify with that at points in our life, because we love our stuff. It treats us well sometimes. And then Jesus surprised his disciples by saying, look, this is typical. It is very hard for a rich man to get into heaven. And so it's against the backdrop of this disappointed young man who wouldn't commit and the challenges of salvation that Peter essentially asks, hey, what's in it for us? All right, verse 27 reports, and Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And this is such a typical Peter and the disciples kind of thing, right? We have this moment where this guy goes away sad because he can't have eternal life. We have this statement that rich people, are, it's really hard to get into heaven. And, and the disciples are like, well, what about us? Looking out for number one. So they're asking, what do we get since we left everything? And let's be clear, they really have left everything, right? They have left behind jobs and small businesses. They have left behind families and hometowns. And, and, and for us, we sometimes say, oh, you know, this is, we do this. We live in a very mobile society, but that was not the culture of that day, right? That, that culture was in an intensely community-oriented, family-oriented culture. And so to just uproot everything and leave meant that they were truly leaving behind the most important and most precious things in their life, to follow Jesus. But nonetheless, despite the real sacrifices that we're making, we, we have to, as we read this story, we should feel tension at this moment, right? Because if we have been following the Gospel of Matthew from beginning up to this point in chapter 19, at this point, what do we expect? We expect Jesus to rebuke the disciples for being dumb and selfish yet again. And that's where the surprise comes in, right? Jesus seldom has good things to say about the disciples. They're making statements like, what then will we have? And so he surprises us here. 
because he acknowledges the sacrifices they have made. And he answers their question, and he does describe the reward they're going to receive. Verse 28 is an extraordinary promise. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Here Jesus is alluding to his victorious return to judge all of mankind, after which all of creation will be perfectly renewed. And the twelve apostles will have thrones of their own from which they will judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And I believe we get an image of that even now when we read Revelation 4 and other passages in Revelation. And so there are extraordinary rewards waiting for them. For once Jesus does not rebuke them, he commends and celebrates their commitment to sacrificially follow. But, But then we come to Jesus' promise to us. In verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And I want to make sure we understand this promise is for us today. We are part of that everyone. And so there are two truths I want to highlight in particular. First, we are called to sacrificially follow Jesus, leaving much behind. The invitation and the call of Jesus is to follow him, follow him out of the familiar and the comfortable and into whatever and wherever he leads us. When he called his first disciples, he called them out of their careers and their businesses their families, and their communities. And I want to assure you, he is still in the calling business today. And we need to take that seriously. This may come as a surprise for many American Christians, because the truth is we aren't used to, for the most part, really giving up very much to follow Jesus. We don't generally have to give up very important and precious things to follow Jesus. I mean, generally speaking, we... We kind of like coming to church, and we certainly enjoy doing our ministries. And most of us get to keep the doing the jobs and activities that we would be doing regardless of whether we are a Christian or not. And so we are not generally used to a kind of following of Jesus that truly requires sacrifice, potentially leaving behind home or family or assets. And yet Jesus calls us to exactly that. The call of Jesus on your life is the call to sacrificially follow him. He is crystal clear in Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right? Notice that first part, if anyone, right? Are you anyone? I certainly hope so. If anyone would come after me, right? Understand the way this is laid out. He is describing the fundamental requirement for any Christ follower, and that is self-denial and sacrifice. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The invitation to follow Jesus requires personal sacrifice for him. right? To deny ourselves, to deny the way we like to think about ourselves, to deny 
our own tendency to really just make everything about our, about us. And to take up the cross, right? To, to die to who or what we once were. And to live anew and fully committed to this Jesus that we follow. We are called to make real sacrifices. That includes precious time, comfort, convenience, career, reputation, friends, and possibly even family for Jesus. And so the questions to wrestle with this week, right, not just for this little time we're here together, but I really would invite you to wrestle with this all week long. What are we really sacrificing right now to follow Jesus? And what should we be sacrificing? As you see on the screen here, when we're talking about sacrificial following, we are zooming in on the bottom portion of our five to thrive, right? Five to thrive identifies the, the five things Christians should integrate into their walk of faith to grow and thrive as a follower of Jesus. Worshiping together regularly, faithfully practicing personal spiritual habits, gathering with others and to grow in community, finding at least one place to serve Christ's kingdom, and sharing your hope in Jesus Christ. So when we talk about sacrificially following Jesus, we are mostly talking about what we do and what it costs us to do these, these bottom two things, serving and sharing. We're each called to sacrificially serve Christ's kingdom here on earth, to give freely and joyfully and sacrificially of our time in meaningful ministry and kingdom service, whether it is here in the church or out in the community around us. And because we're not that used to sacrifice, what does it look like? It looks like sometimes being stressed about our schedule because there's too many things to do. Like sometimes having to say no to something our families or friends want to do because we have kingdom work to do. Like having to knock off work early to be here on Wednesday nights or using vacation time to go do disaster relief in another state, even if it has an impact on our career. I mean, setting aside time, we'd rather spend pursuing hobbies to do the ministry that God has prepared for us. And we need to take seriously that God has prepared ministry for each and every person who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. We are called to freely, joyfully, and sacrificially give of our money, convenience, comfort, leisure, and more. That's denying yourself and taking up your cross. And we're also called to sacrificially and faithfully share our hope in Jesus. And that really is a sacrifice, if we take that seriously, right? Invariably, there's something we should be doing right at that moment when a door opens to have a spiritual conversation with somebody about Jesus. Right? Am I right? There's always something like, oh, I probably need to go do that. And we have this choice. And we have to discipline ourselves to say the kingdom is more important than whatever else it is we were headed to do. And it's a sacrifice because we are risking our relationships in this world to try and create forever relationships. And we need to become people who are always inviting people to come here for things, whether it is Sunday morning or Saturday night or Wednesday night or one of our events or, or, or groups. And sharing our hope is a sacrifice because to do it means regularly investing in people's lives 
in order to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And what happens when we get involved deeply in the lives of other people to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ? It gets messy. It gets inconvenient. It gets time-consuming. It gets stressful. We feel like we're in over our head and unequipped. Sharing our hope means being willing and courageous to have spiritual conversations about Jesus for which you will never quite feel fully prepared because you just won't. And you've got to make peace with that. But on the other hand, to feel more fully prepared means investing time in things that you know, help you be prepared, like regularly reading and studying the Bible. And, and here's, here's one, thinking seriously about what you believe and want. Right, that reason for your hope that Peter talks about in 1 Peter 3.15. Spending time here thinking about world events and, and the burning issues of this day from a Christian perspective rather than merely what is popular or what we have read most recently on social media. That's following Jesus. Denying yourself and taking up your cross. And it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be just a minor inconvenience that's manageable in conjunction with all the other things going on in life. right? If it is a minor inconvenience, if it is something that we balance, that's not sacrificial following. That is not taking up our cross. Being willing to die to self or following Jesus. We are called to think and serve and share big because God's Spirit lives within us and empowers us to give and do more than we can ever do on our own, more than we can imagine. And yes, that is sacrificial and hard, but it is also the most exciting adventure we could possibly undertake. If you follow Jesus, I want you to take verse 29 seriously and recognize what it may well cost in terms of relationships, life stability, career advancement, or community. Think about verse 29 carefully and, and prepare yourself to pay that cost. Because while it's been fairly easy to follow Jesus to this point, the cultural tides are running against faithfully following Jesus. We are called to be very visible in this world, not to retreat back and hide within our walls. We are called to shine bright Jesus and do it in a way that holds firmly to biblical teaching. And that teaching is becoming increasingly unpopular in our culture. Right? If you, in case you haven't figured it out yet, we are now on the unpopular side of culture on a whole lot of issues. And we must not sneak off to the popular side if it is unbiblical. We are called to stand firm in a loving way that testifies to the standards and holiness and righteousness of a perfectly just yet loving and merciful God. And that means we are going to be attacked spiritually, verbally, certainly, but perhaps one day in the not-so-distant future legally and financially. And we'll be attacked for being hateful and small-minded, closed-minded, and backward. And you may be tempted in that time to just fade away from the 
lot of people who are following Jesus because you don't like to think of yourself with those words. You don't like it when people say those things about you. But this is our calling to follow Jesus and to stand firm and to shine brighter, and that means denying ourselves and taking up our cross, and this is the call to sacrificial following. But I don't want to leave you discouraged, grimly battening down the hatches and getting ready for, for endless, cruel, and vicious battle in our culture. No. Because the second great truth of verse 29 promises our rewards for sacrificial following will be enormous. And once again, verse 29 promises us today in Lake Ridge, Virginia, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. This is the joy before us. Rewards a hundredfold an inheritance of eternal life. And, and we're going to first say, I want to assure you, we will inherit eternal life. And inherit is the key word that separates us from that rich young man who had come up to Jesus and, and wanted to figure out how to earn eternal life. To inherit it means we don't earn it. Because nobody earns an inheritance. An inheritance is given to you. And our inheritance is given to us from our Father in heaven. And this inheritance of eternal life comes only by His grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. We can't ever earn it because God is perfect and holy and righteous and we are not. We are fallen creatures of dust. We are bored with a heart that is not only compulsively drawn to do evil, but compulsively wants to lie to us about it in the process. Try as we might, we can't ever live up to the holiness of our holy and glorious God and our failure, our sin, in whatever form it takes. Anger, abusiveness, addiction, sexual immorality, gossiping, greed, selfishness, theft, idolatry, jealousy, Sowing division, whatever it is, that just names a few. Whatever it is that tempts us and draws us. It separates us from God, earning His wrath and condemnation. But God, in His great mercy, sent His eternal Son, Jesus, into the world to live a sin-free life and to die as a once-for-all sacrifice big enough to pay the penalty for all of your sin and mine. And to take all of God's holy and righteous anger upon himself at the cross where he died. And because he did this and because he rose from the dead, all who believe in Jesus, and by this I mean genuine belief that leads to answering Christ's invitation to follow him, to sacrificially follow the call to self-denial and cross-carrying. All who believe, no matter how ugly or awful your past will receive God's total forgiveness and the gift of eternal life simply by asking. When we put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are immediately adopted as children of God. And as His children, we receive an inheritance, eternal life. Because we are in His family. He is our Father. The sacrifice that opens the door to new life is what we'll be celebrating shortly when we gather around the Lord's table to partake of the Lord's Supper 
in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross that makes all of this possible. That's our guaranteed eternal inheritance, but Jesus is also clear that there are enormous rewards for sacrificially following him. A hundred times whatever we give up. I think we often fail to understand the superabundance of rewards that is waiting for us in heaven. When we are willing to joyfully sacrifice our time, energy, money, hearts, and souls to follow and serve Jesus. It is an unfortunate thing in the sort of modern North American church that we have managed to make heaven seem boring, full of clouds and robes and harps and things like that that have almost no appeal to most of us. Because heaven is not going to be boring at all when we live in the new creation and we, we see all around us creation as God meant it to be before sin made it ugly and ruined. Heaven will be glorious. We will see and experience God's presence so personally and powerfully and profoundly that our minds can't even begin to comprehend it now. We are going to know and celebrate things for millions of years, and, and not only are we not going to get bored about it, right, we're going to get more and more excited about it. Because there is always more to know about God and more to celebrate. And so verse 29 is addressing this key truth that we should be grasping hold of, which is that while everyone in heaven is going to experience complete joy, we will receive different rewards based on what we do before we die and the sacrifices we make to follow Jesus. Now, heaven is going to be wonderful, so don't be discouraged, but God is going to reward you based on what you do in obedience to Christ. What you have done so far to this date and what you will do until you die or Christ returns. So what rewards are waiting for you based on how you follow Jesus to this point in life? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15 is simultaneously encouraging and sobering. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I don't want any of you arriving in heaven and smelling like smoke. I want everyone building on the foundation of Jesus Christ with the very best treasures of your time and your talent and your energy and your emotions and your finances so that you will enjoy this glorious reward. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. A hundredfold reward. Now we get a little tiny taste of that reward and the joy that we experience here with our, our church family and with our brothers and sisters in Christ that we encounter along the journey of life. But one day we will join the vast and wonderful community in heaven where we receive God's praise and commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
We'll enjoy the treasures that we set ahead of us into heaven through the sacrifices we make here on earth. And we will delight in the responsibilities that Scripture says we will receive as a reward for faithful following and sacrifice in this life. So I'm urging you this morning to answer God's call on your life, whatever that may be. Answer it, knowing that enormous rewards lie ahead. This is not the time to be practical, cautious, or reluctant. Act on your faith. Commit to follow Jesus wholeheartedly without hiding behind excuses or perceived limitations of health or family or work or finances. This morning, I'm inviting you to answer God's call. And that's going to mean standing up and coming forward in a few minutes to talk and and pray with me or with Pastor Neil or with a deacon in just a few minutes. Or if you're uncomfortable up front to drift backwards to talk and pray with Pastor Philip, who's in the back row. Right now I'm asking you that if you have been holding back in your life, if, if you sense that you have been resisting the call to follow Jesus, whatever that looks like, maybe it's the first call to put your faith in Him as Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's the call to take that next step of obedience and sacrifice. I am urging you to make that step today. Take that step. Because truly and sacrificially following Jesus is a breathtaking adventure full of endless rewards. And yes, sacrifice. So is God calling you to slow down or change careers strategically to serve Him better? Answer the call and do it. Is God calling you into a new ministry in the church or out in the community and you've been, been making excuses to not do it? Answer the call and do it. Is God calling you to share your hope in Christ with a particular friend, relative, co-worker, or neighbor? Answer that call and do it. Is God calling you into ministry? Whether it's in addition to your current job or as a full-time calling, regardless of your age or life situation, answer the call and do it. Is God calling you to uproot your life and enter the mission field as some have already done in this congregation? Answer the call and do it. Great is the reward for all who leave behind the familiar and the comfortable to follow Jesus. Answer the call. You will not regret it. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond as God is calling you to overcome your discomfort in stepping forward or drifting to the back to give voice to what you already know God is calling you to do to follow Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this promise, this word, that you've invited us into a life of sacrificially following Jesus Christ. For each of us, that means there is another step to take. And Lord, I pray that today we will take that step. Father God, search within our hearts, reveal to us what we have been hiding behind or holding back on. Hear our confession. Forgive us for holding back on you. And give us the courage take 
the step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, we do want to give you a chance to respond. And I know that can be uncomfortable to go forward or back and give voice to what Jesus has put on your heart. But that's what we're called to do. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow Jesus. So we're just going to have a time of response. Again, you can come to talk to Pastor Neil or myself, Pastor Philip in the back, or if you just want to pray in the front. Whatever your step is, right? If God is calling you to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, take that step. If God is calling you to be baptized by your own choice and free will, come forward and say you're willing to take that step. If God is calling you to reorder some part of your life, to put Christ first, to let go of whatever is holding you back, from doing the thing you know in your heart and have probably known for a while you were called to do. Take the step. Please respond as God is calling. With a grateful heart, give thanks.